Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Germany. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. This is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. Mm, And at the end of the series, you, the listeners, you vote for your favourites. And at our live event at the RVT, we crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. We do. (laughs) Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good, Monty. How the devil are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just the same as I was in the last episode. Yeah, because it's only been five minutes. Although we, we've we got Aperol Spritz, which yeah. I have to say, Monty... Aperol Spritz of off my tits. tits. It was the saying of Turin. <laughs> Thanks to our friend Adrian. Another shout out, Adrian. Mm-hmm. Look, I, um, I don't know what you've done to perfect this skill, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, the ratio of alcohol with this Aperol Spritz is perfect. I'm well, I'm well practiced. <laughs> I poured plenty. <laughs> I'm glad it meets with your uh, satisfaction. Yeah, very high expectations. <laughs> mm, yes. So we are not in the um, we're not in Italy or even the Italian Tyrol today, but we're a little bit further north of that in Germany. Mm. We're looking at the German national final. Well, Matt, I can tell you, it was held on the 3rd of March, 2023, at the MMC Studios in Cologne, and the format was Unser Lied für Liverpool, our song for Liverpool, hosted by the lovely Barbara Schoenberger. Oh, Babs. I love her. I love her as well. She's kind of synonymous with Eurovision. She's like the Eurovision, she's like the German Graham Norton. Or dare I say the German Terry Wogan. Hopefully better than Terry Wogan. I'm not a Terry Wogan fan, everyone. No. But, I th- well, she's got personality and she was, uh, I, I, I don't, I catch bits of German. It's the one language I can understand a little bit more than English. <laughs> but when I was watching it, I just, she just, the way she talks to the acts, she's so natural and she, and she's always got a joke on the end of her tongue. She can, she's just ready to make people laugh. And I love that about her. She's, I love her personality. Absolutely. Now, it was a convoluted process <laughs> in Germany. And I'm going to take a little bit of time just to read this out because it is, there was a lot of work went into selecting these songs. (laughs) Okay, let me take a sip of my Aperol Spritz. (laughs) So interested artists and composers were able to submit their entries for the competition between the 9th and 28th of November 2022. Artists and composers were also able to upload their entries to TikTok via the hashtag Unsalid for Liverpool. By the end of the process, there were 548 submissions uh, to the broadcaster. Uh, the eight competing entries for the national final were selected over three stages. First of all, those entries were shortlisted uh, for a second stage by a panel consisting of members of the ARD Eurovision team, representatives of Eurovision.de, radio channels from ARD and the production company Bildergarten. 
One stage shortlisted, a second stage involved an international expert panel who provided feedback in regards to the shortlisted entries so that at the third stage, the ARD Eurovision team could select the eight entries to take to the final stage. Wow. An additional six acts were shortlisted from the entries that had been received on TikTok where there were over 900 submissions. I can only imagine the quality of some. <laughs> Indeed. And then there was an online vote between those six songs to select the TikTok, well, kind of a wild card, which joined the eight songs that had been submitted via the old process to get the final nine songs. Blimey. Are you with me? The thing is, though, just about, but also, like, Germany needed something, so be rigorous at least so well yes it did need something but look at what we got <laughs> I think there might be some comments on the overall quality of the national final as we go through this episode so once we got to the night there was a 50-50 combination of inter- eight international jury groups and the Televo. The international jury groups were from Switzerland, the Netherlands, Finland, Spain, Lithuania, Ukraine, Austria and the United Kingdom, as well as the public voting. There were some famous faces amongst the jurors. There were Ieva from Lithuania, Vydotis from the Rup, uh, Painda from Austria, Barre from uh, Spain, Jamala from Ukraine, Cesar Samson from um, Austria, John's Tears from Switzerland, and our very own Suri. Oh, Suri. Who gave the votes for the United Kingdom jury from Heidi's Kitchen. Oh, I saw that, actually. <laughs> Heidi, who does the live yeah. blog for yeah. Eurovision. Suri was in her kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this <laughs> picture <laughs> of her holding up the scores on this. Oh, they're, they're obviously, I, have to, I totally forgot that you just brought that up. <laughs> the, Heidi was holding up, like, the scores that Suri was announcing yes. on this cardboard. I don't know what it was, some kind of cardboard or board. And Suri was there with this bright light. Like, you know, like set up, all it was so looking sweet. gorgeous. It's so funny. It was so sweet. So the juries were able to distribute their points. There were eight votes. They gave eight sets of votes. So they voted one, two, three, four, six, eight, ten, and twelve. So what they didn't do was award a five or a seven points, which we would normally get in Eurovision. And then the public vote was based on the percentage of votes. So if you think of a set of votes, how many of them were available overall? There were 368 points. So they got a percentage of that 368 points, depending on the percentage of points that they got in the public vote. Basically, it's exactly what we do for cherry when we do our cherry voting. We do the percentage exactly. of... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Am I making it sound too complicated? It is complicated, <laughs> I have to say. But uh, I have a spreadsheet that does all this, so... But yes, yeah, so that's what we got. And at the end of all of that... The winner was Lord of the Lost with blood and glitter up my shitter. Let's have a blast. Yes, you can see there that that was not the lyric. That, <laughs> that is Monty's own lyric. But, um, yeah. but, oh Lord, were Germany lost on the night. 
They came last with 18 points. They didn't get very many points from anyone. They got um, some points in the televote. Six from Austria, five from Finland, four from Switzerland. And then the jury just two from Iceland and one from the Czech Republic. So, yeah. Big shout out to my housemate, Johnny, who is the one and only fan of (laughs) Lord of the Lost. (laughs) Good for you for, you know, waving the flag in their corner. But, um... Didn't, didn't help much. But, you know, it was really strange because, you know, it was such a split between jury and um, public as well. So, you know, Lord of the Lost got a massive televote and that's what got them there. But they were only fifth with the juries. And the song that won the juries, which we will hear tonight, was really voted down by the public. So there was a big disparity. I think it's right that the public's vote did win in the end. But, you know, after all of that rigmarole, I just, I'm, I'm disappointed again by Germany. They've got a very disappointing results at Eurovision. And you know, whilst there are some interesting things to note here, I'm going to put a spoiler in and go, this is not the best national final of the year. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Look, the thing is, though, watching it live... I, again, I watched it with my singer-songwriter friend um, and it was hit nice to have some perspective. But honestly, across the board, um, we all thought that this was the song that should have won the national final. So if you're asking, right, is this the song, that it, did they make the right choice? I think so, because it had such impact in the studio. And I don't know whether any other song in this national final could have had the same impact or like given the the running order that I thought Germany got given a bit of a shit running order in the final got got to be said that's that's going against them but I'm not sure I would have done anything different I think they had a rigorous (laughs) selection process they've tried to give variety and they have there's just I think some of the 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 theme of this national final is like just uh, experience people who can't who might have a good song or a half decent song, and it's just they don't perform. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it, but I think um I think it's okay. I think it's a good foundation to jump to springboard from. It's miles better than last year, yeah. where you know we had a singer who forgot her own words <laughs> in the middle of the song. You know that's how bad it was last year. It was a definite improvement on that, but it's just not for me. It's not at the level that Germany needs to be, and I think you know. I know what this is like being a UK fan. We're, we've been exactly the same place, not knowing quite what to do with it, not being able to, you know, attract the artist. And the things that we do try that we think, oh, this is going to work. It's absolutely, it just bombs. Um, you know, Germany's got a really, really poor track record given they won in 2010. It's not mm. that long ago that they were the winners of Eurovision. We felt, oh, you know, this is a new dawn for um, uh, a country like Germany. And it's just, well, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but let's have a look at the songs that we do have. Because it, I, I think it is fair to say it was a step up from last year. Yeah. Let's see what we thought. Let's kick off. Song number one is A Dare To Be Different. By Trong. Danke Deutschland, dass ich bei dir mein Traum leben kann. Das ist 
how do you say his name, Matt? Well, I'm thinking it's German um, language. Oh, it's not. He's not German, though, is it? Is he got Vietnamese? Mm-hmm. Oh, but I'm thinking strong, like angry and earnest. He doesn't look very angry or no. Maybe it's Trong. I don't know. Tr- Trong. I mean, I'm only teasing you because he actually says in the lyrics, "People can't yeah. pronounce my name." <laughs> <laughs> um, I I quite like this. I mean, it's it's pink and fluffy, and you know, there's it's very much in the same vein as Gustav, I think, um, from Belgium, and it's kind of in that. It's got that funky sound to it, and it's also thematically about kind of you know being different and you know having the courage to do that and actually being proud of being different so it thematically it's got um uh, some similar themes to that i quite like it i think he is of vietnamese heritage there's a little nod to his cultural heritage at the start because he's wearing the non dang um conical hat that's you know sort of um, typical across southeast asia um but that quickly comes off and you see he's like you know got a much more western approach um to um his music um there's some interesting lyrics is that like frank sinatra do it your way (laughs) (laughs) um but it's kind of you know it is that kind of sort of triumph of reversity like you know well you could sit there and you know be miserable about your life but you know you could be happy so option one go be sad cry your tears stay in bed option two rise above all that yeah we're not like your friends you won't see us pretend because we're proud to be different Mm. I quite like that yeah and I don't know this has multiple things I don't know the sexuality of Chong and it doesn't really matter I don't care because you kind of it's got that kind of universal theme of being different and nowadays that can mean anything he did in the VT at the start. I vaguely remember him sort of kind of talking about his heritage and being uh, an immigrant to Germany. And I think that's he talks a lot about that. So maybe that's where some sort of the daring to be different comes from rather than sexuality. Um, but I like it though. I think it's out of the box R&B sort of R&B infused disco. Mm-hmm. The vocal on its own isn't difficult. I don't think it's a difficult song to sing. But he has full choreo throughout from start to finish and there's a dance break and it's just not easy. But just until you've done it, it is not easy. Um, I think it's great production um, and the staging was really glitzy and pink, as you say. There's something about, I don't know if it's a, a trend. We have to get like Dan Shipman, our creative director friend who does staging for Eurovision and all sorts. But Pink and blue is a colorway put together that has, it's a trend. It started, it's it's almost like since, I don't know, three, four years ago, pink and blue always together. I think it ticks all the boxes. It lacks a little bit of something, almost like a really sing-along hooky chorus as such. But um, nothing, so nothing about this is wow, but it's, it's really decent. There's a little line or two of Vietnamese and German in it as well, mm-hmm. so it's just kind of spicing up a little bit. I mean, I think overall it's a little bit naff, but he's very sweet, he's very endearing. You kind of want to like him. I'd, I'd like to sort of see a little bit more of him. And I wonder if he is this kind of artist that will come back and try again. Hopefully. Song two is called Once Upon a Dream by Annika Russo. Oh, 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 all the things you want, all the 
Matt, there's a lot of production going on on this stage performance. Yeah, yeah, I actually adore the staging. It's like um, they've got long grass, like a corn field setting, and she's sort of. Uh, I suppose it's meant to be the dream that she's singing about, right? And I, I believe it. I believe in the dream that she's inhabiting. It reminds me, as a song composition, it kind of, and the the look and feel of it um, re- kind of reminds me of Norway 2015, Moreland and Deborah Scarlett, A Monster Like Me. That kind of really disjointed, discordant sound that kind of makes you feel like, oh, something's not quite right here. What this song does that is different from that song completely is it's got this big bass drop and this elevated voice in the chorus. And it's kind of a bit shocking or jarring from from the sort of soft sort of verse. I really like it as a song. I don't think it has wide appeal, though. And I think that's what ultimately hurt it. Maybe this sort of discordant nature it was a bit confusing for people because it wasn't it wasn't in any particular lane. It was odd and performed quite well. It's quite dramatic, I felt. Um, you know, thematically, it's a sort of, you know, fairly well-trodden theme. It's the, it's, there's lyrics about, you know, the child who reached for the stars but got hurt. And so, you know, she became sort of, you know, depressed by the world. And, but there was a spark in her which was later rekindled. And one by one, her dreams started to come true. It's a bit kind of, a little bit motivational claptrap for me. It's, um, it's, it's a song version. <laughs> it's a Facebook meme in song form. But I think, you know, it is, there's something which makes it stand out because of the production. I didn't get sort of cornfield. I got more sort of reeds and rushes. I thought it, you know, looked like she was down the wetland centre. <laughs> Because <laughs> the kind of, you know, heron to fly over at any moment. That's true, actually. There was no corn. You're right. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very wetland. But yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting tableau to present your song on stage. But I think musically it needed a little bit more. Song number three then is Will Church. Very German sounding name. With the song Hold On, which translates to Hold On. Will Church thoughts? Well, this is the song that won the jury vote by some margin as well. Um, he got 90 points from the jury. Um, Annika, who we've just spoken about, was second with 57. So it's quite a big difference. So it's clear that, you know, this is the, the one that the, the jury thought deserved it. Um, and conversely, as we're saying, Lord of the Lost, who did win, were only fifth with the jury with 43. So they needed the massive televote to win, which... Um, uh, Will Church didn't really get. He only got 21 points um, in the televote. So again, this big contrast. Um, I mean, we were just talking... Uh, I can see why the juries went for it. And I think, you know, we were just talking... I was just calling Annika's song a bit of motivational claptrap. And I think, for me, this is what I would describe as a bit of anthemic drivel. It's kind of sort of... Quite, it's got that kind of motivation. It's got that uplift 
feel to it. Um, he's talking about, you know, the sort of, you know, the trials and tribulations. You know, I live my life on the battlefield. Many times I try to heal. I've got scars. I'm not made of steel. These broken walls, they're surrounding me. I'm stuck underneath. You know, show me how to hold on. Show me how to find my way home. So it's kind of despairing. I think the musicality of it is trying to sort of lift up and find hope within that quite bleak message of the song. But it was just a bit fucking dull for me. <laughs> I, I think you're right, because it does lack a bit of oomph mm-hmm. and a bit of X Factor. I think it makes sense that it done well with the juries, because I think it's probably one of the best song compositions of the bunch. I do think it would benefit from being on a bigger Eurovision stage, actually, because I think his vocal carries. And I think if you stage that in a lot more of a dark and moody lighting and setting and gave the atmosphere that you can you can absolutely achieve on the Eurovision stage and Germany know how to do that. Um, I think that could have elevated. It maybe could have done quite well, but it is lacking something. Another solid entry, but, but th- th- this song represents for me what Germany is in the last decade. It's just... Oh, okay, that kind of feeling. So from a song that's trying to find hope in its lyrics, we move on to our next song, which presents you with hope right there in its title, Melodies of Hope by Patty Gurdy. Did you know that the thing that was missing from your Eurovision life was the hurdy-gurdy? Well, actually, yes. I really like this. I have to say, it was the favourite. I I think it was the favourite going in. And it was, on the record, for me, my favourite song. So firstly, let's say, it's it's a familiar sounding sound. It's a bit like Deja Vu. You know when you, you sort of feel like, oh, I've heard this before, but you can't quite place it? I think it's the folk folkiness, the folk and electronica nature of the song that makes you feel like, oh, I've heard this. It's very, it's Mumford and Sons, but it's not Mumford and Sons. It, I think vocally, it's a bit hit and miss. Parts are good. Others are a bit of a stretch for her, I've got to be honest. And I don't like the stock background footage that they're using. It, do, it does nothing for her. I would like something or someone on stage with her just to give some kind of point of reference, move... I mean, she's moving around, but she's doing it in quite... If I'm being really honest, quite an amateurish way, almost like a, she's busking, and she's just kind of got a bit of, you know, oomph to her busk. Um, but um, I'm not sure. For a stage performance, especially if you're going to put that on a big Eurovision stage, it's not quite working. I agree. It's yeah. a little bit static. Um, and I think that maybe is to do with the nature of the hurdy-gurdy as the instrument and how it's played. Do you it also can... think it being in a, in a studio affects it? Now, we can talk about this, how how many times, I mean, Ireland, hello, how many times do we see performances from Eurovision artists and songs and entries in a, in a studio setting? And we're like, huh. And then it gets to the bigger stage and you think, oh, okay, that's better. 
Yes, there may be a bit of that because I mean, the Late Late Show in Ireland is a terrible oh, showcase. God, like for renowned for it, yeah. awful, absolutely awful. I'm quite. I think we are quite familiar with this song, this this style of music. Even though I don't think we've had a hurdy gurdy itself, what we do have no. in Sweden is the kind of the folkier entries in Sweden often have the sound of a, a Swedish nuclear which is a kind of, you know, a relation, has a relationship with the hurdy-gurdy in terms of instrumental etymology. Yeah. Uh, so this, I think we're used to hearing this and it's a familiar sound, so I can tune into this sound quite easily. I think, though, that there's a little bit of her trying to present a bit of this kind of like medieval girl shtick with it, with it being a sort of like more historic instrument. Um, and that, doesn't really wash with me so much. I think, you know, the the song, I mean, it, it spells it out in the title what it is. It is literally a song that is presenting uh, a vision of hope. And she's singing of, you know, the hope that something will regrow from the sort of the barren aftermath of a broken relationship. So, you know, it's a, it's an optimistic sounding song. But I think the presentation of it with the staticness of how she has to be to play the instrument or, you know, obviously she's miming playing it because that's how you have to do a Eurovision. But the, the sort of the constraints of that keep her a little bit too static. It would have been nice to see what they did with a song like this on the Eurovision stage and how they brought it to life, you know, with obviously a, a much bigger budget than one of nine entries in a TV show. I would have liked to have seen the potential of this song on the bigger stage. She's... As an artist, she has heard a goody cover of Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Just always interesting to hear. It's sort of a novel take on that. I mean, you know, every bugger thinks they've got a crack at it these days. I was going to say, every time, like, you're a massive fan, obviously, <laughs> we know this, and uh, every time there's a cover of Run Up That Hill, I'm like, Monty, thoughts? <laughs> well, I sometimes like it. I yeah. mean, if somebody doesn't really do anything very interesting with it, you know, they don't, but sometimes people do do quite interesting things with it. You know, I think the placebo cover of it, which is really dark and really stripped back, is gorgeous. Um, you know, and um, Dilba from Melody Festival, and who's you know famous for that gif of her looking backwards over her shoulder with a pained expression. <laughs> she did a dance cover of it as well, which is quite interesting. But yeah, Hurdy Gurdy was the, uh, an unexpected version of it. But that's Patty Gurdy there with Melodies of Hope. Song number five is Ike Hoofdgold with Lieder mit gutem Text. Monty, I'm going to let you kick off with this one because, oh my God. Yes, this is the song that won the TikTok wildcard round. Unsurprising. Yes. Um, now, uh, German Wikipedia describes Ickerhofgold as a party schlager singer. <laughs> a party schlager singer. Uh, and he's, you know, he's got he's a fairly established career on the party schlager scene. 
Um, he had his Durkbrook, his breakthrough in 2014, with a song called Dicker Titten Kartoffelsalat, which means Big Tits Potato Salad. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm totally misreading that. Potato salad? Yeah, Big Tits Potato Salad. <laughs> so, I mean, you can see he's a bit of a card. Um, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it's a self-referential song. You know, it's kind of saying in the song, you know, people say our songs are terrible. I have to say they'd be right based on this. Um, but, Agreed. you know, in the lyrics it's saying, oh, you know, there must be something wrong with our songs. We think it's song, time for songs without drinking, without sex, without drugs. Finally, a song with good lyrics and it goes, la, 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 la. So it's kind of, a, it's a spoof. It's a, yeah. it's a piss take. And then there's a recorder break that comes in, which is a little bit like, you know, the shitty flute sound. <laughs> and I just think, oh my God, this is terrible German humour that is never going to stand up on an international stage. You know, yes, there are enough people who are subversive enough to want to vote this through something like the wildcard round, but have broadcasters not fucking learned about this. You know, it was an online wildcard vote that gave us Bailaya Chiki Chiki in 2008 for Spain when we could have had La Casa Azul with mm. La Red and the Sexual, which I think would have been a Eurovision winner for Spain. Do not leave this to the public who want to take the piss. This is not the way to improve your Eurovision reputation and your Eurovision performance. As the United Kingdom has found out, no. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you. I struggle with songs like this. It just means it means nothing to me. He is a local star. I think it, uh, the fact that he won TikTok, it wasn't just because it's just got TikTok written all over it, how ridiculous he is. I think he, he's known. And it's that we're back to that thing of national selections where artists that are known locally can garner some real support, especially televote support. When well, they're, when they're well known, you know, they're especially come from reality TV. I'm not saying that I don't think he does necessarily, but people are armed and ready to vote for him, right? He comes from a sort of a satirical, a satirical play that that's what he does. That's what his songs do. Yeah. They are, they, you know, they're satirical songs. So you know, that's going to attract that kind of audience. Yeah, but, that contrary sort of nature of I'll vote for that because you know fuck you sort of thing and I, I just think that's that's fine it's, but it's not Eurovision is long past that we, we're we decades from that now really other than it's a bit of a romper track that you know you stomp your feet to when you're drunk at Oktoberfest you know I would have great fun with this drunk at Oktoberfest um, <laughs> apart from that I can't say much else <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised it didn't go through, but I am surprised this came second. I'm so surprised at that. Well, it came second based on a massive, you know, public vote. I mm. mean, you know, it was it was some points behind uh, Lord of the Lost, but it was enough, even with getting the lowest score from the jury, to take it up to second place overall. Had it not been for Lord of the Lost, this could have been the German entry. Oh, wow. You know, and I mean, it's difficult to say this would have been a terrible song to send because it couldn't have done any worse than Lord of the Lost already did. There is the potential that this could have actually done marginally better. But, oh, it's just, you're right. I mean, 
The time for this kind of crap is long gone at Eurovision. If Germany is trying to turn not just the public opinion around about Eurovision, they want to get the interest from their German record labels and music industry, and that's not the way to do it. But there we go then. Ica, done, done, dusted. Yeah. There's our song. five songs. <laughs> Which one of them is going to get the German cherry? Uh, it's probably not a spoiler to say it's not going to be that one. Well, let's not. Let's hold our horses. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out after this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. That's right. It's our good thing of the week. That's good. It's our segment of the show that is all about positivity and combating some of the rubbish that you read online. And this week, I have to say, makes me very happy and it should make all of you very happy. Why, Monty? Well, here's your clue. Who the hell is Second Cherry? (laughs) And who the hell is the guest going to be at Eurofest when we do our live final with them in October? Okay, we've got Taylor and Selena are coming to Eurofest. Oh my god, and it's going to be the same night that we're at Eurofest as well. It's like you know, this happens maybe once, maybe twice in your life. Yeah, something this fabulous. The thing is, though, like I don't think are they ready? They, I mean, none of the Eurovision artists that come to Eurofest are ready because it's loud. The RVT is fairly small for a club Mm -hmm. of its size. It's loud, and the gays are like an inch away from your face, (laughs) and they are screaming at you. And especially if you're quite a big artist, and this is going to go down. Like I, imagine a house that's of just for us. <laughs> <laughs> imagine what they'd be like when they come on stage. <laughs> Honestly, I think I don't think they're going to know what's hit them. I mean, I know Alistair and John try to obviously convince people mm-hmm. to come to Eurofest, and uh, I think they must tell them what it's like. But I don't think people because every time I don't think you can know what it's like until you get there, and it is a quite overwhelming atmosphere but you know what Taylor and Selena are, are game girls oh yeah you know they're up for a laugh when I chatted to them at the London Eurovision party I mean they were just so lovely so so lovely and I'm really looking forward to seeing them again uh, and it's just gonna it's gonna go off in the RVT when they sing that song I could not be happier yeah. Tickets will be on sale soon. We don't know when yet, so as ever, we advise keep an eye on our socials, keep an eye on the Eurofest socials because they will announce the dates. There's generally a few days before that it's announced so people can get ready to buy tickets when they go on sale. There are two options. If you want to just come to the club and you're not bothered about Second Cherry, who are you? <laughs> why why are you listening are you? to this? <laughs> <laughs> but you can get a ticket just for the club afterwards, but you can get a ticket for Second Cherry before. And it's a little bit more expensive just to cover our costs, but that will get you into the boat. There are fewer tickets for the first part than there are for the second part. So if you want a ticket, be ready to buy that ticket the minute they go on sale. Because we warn you every year, but we sell out for the second cherry part. And this is a big act. So it is 
there's going to be a lot of interest. So we know not all of you can come. We hope that every one of you will take part in the online vote, but we hope to see some of you there. But don't miss out on the opportunity for tickets. They will be on sale soon. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, which song of the German songs has been chosen, has been plucked to be the German second cherry? Matt, tell us, tell us, tell us. Well, it is with Melodies of Hope, Patty Gurdy. I look. I'm happy with this. It's it's on my playlist. I quite like it, and I think uh, when we turn it up and we put it on that big screen, uh, it's going to be something a little bit different. Certainly is. Can't wait to see how this one goes down. You can get in touch and tell us what you think. Is that the right song, or should we have chosen Ikkehuf Gold, <laughs> the pop schlager? After all, with his dicker titter. <laughs> You can let us know on Twitter at Second Cherry, on Instagram, second underscore cherry, or on Facebook, Second Cherry Podcast. Or you can email, which is... Hello. At secondcherry.vision. Hello. At secondcherry.vision. We love to hear from you. Let us know what you think. That's it for this episode. Don't know what episode we're going to be doing next. Well, we've got a couple of more chosen, but we've still got a few more to choose as a team. Yeah, we do. To complete the lineup. It's like year, a, so. a weird Eurovision Enid Blyton faraway tree. Every week it's different and we don't know what's going to be next. <laughs> 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 old reference there. Very old reference. Yes, Enid Blyton, that famous racist. racist. and probably homophobe. You know? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Although she did have a lesbian character. Was she non-binary? Oh. George. Maybe George was a trans... Boy. Probably. Yeah. Enid Blyton and Trans Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. I think, I think we might have had a little bit too much Aperol spirits. <laughs> Off our tits. Off our tits. Right, we're ching chin and we'll say goodbye. Right. <laughs> we'll see you later. Thanks for listening. We'll be with you next time. Bye. Bye.